Oh, interesting. Let me. I'll, I'll confirm that during the edit. I mean, I, I was this. thrilled to see Kate Blanchett because she just. Fuck, I did it wrong. Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson. You have to. No, you have to delete. That. Leaving I, that. I, in I, no, so no. Hard. I refuse to have messed up Emma Thompson's name. She is. Yeah, a you're gonna princess. get excommunicated no, from. No. Women. Please <laughs> forgive me, Emma Thompson. Dear. Welcome back, Kim and Billy Talk listeners, KBT fans. And a very happy 2019. <laughs> Such a solid start. Yep, that was literally point number one on our agenda. Welcome back and happy 2019. How's your break been, Kim? You know what, Billy? It's been a quieter break. Uh, there's been a lot of work involved, work that I have chosen to do, but it, it's work nonetheless. And so not really a break in any No, but like a good creative... I, I, I'm dancing in front of you like you can see me. Like, creative. That, that, that's how well it's been going. But it's almost done, and that's exciting. So, um, yes, a productive break. Fantastic. I'm glad to hear that. How was your break? Uh, about the same, actually. A lot of work. We're so Been old tutoring now. students. Yeah, it's, I don't know. When did the Christmas break become about, oh, great, a chance to do work? I don't, I don't know. But it is what adulthood, it is. I guess. So definitely the highest energy way anybody has ever started a happy 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Off to a fantastic start here. Um, Want to do a little housekeeping? Then we're talking about where we're at. Yeah. Okay. Because there might be an explanation for why our energy is here. I think we're both a little uh, gun shy at this moment <laughs> about trying to record this. Do podcast. we want to talk about? Sure. Let's go into week? this. Okay. okay. So, listeners, what you're listening to right now is our second attempt at a Men in Black podcast, which is no reflection at all on the Men in Black film we are going to be talking about, which we tried to talk about last week, and we're going to talk about today, the 1997 first. Un- unless Men it's a in reflection Black. in the sense that, like, the movie was just so good that, like. We there were, was nothing to talk we, about. We, we, like, we didn't have the words. Okay, good movie. Uh, here we go. But <laughs> but let's let's give our listeners a, a little a little summary of what happened last time. Maybe one day we will release the audio. Frankly, I've been a little too scared <laughs> to even listen to it. But it's kind of all a blur, to be totally honest. Yeah. So <laughs> I come into Kim's apartment on Boxing Day, and just for sake of simplicity, for sake of ease, I will say it this way: I was not in a good mood. <laughs> A lot going on that day. Probably not in the best headspace to be talking about this whimsical alien comedy caper. So I walk in. Whimsical alien That's what it is. Continue. We, we, we get set up and, and Kib says to me, I'm, I'm a little worried. Uh, this is our first post-Tom Cruise movie. Our boy Tom Cruise has been kind of our guiding star. He's always been something to, to go back to. What is our thesis for Men in Black? I was like, thanks, my Professor. Fault. Thesis. What are you talking about? It's Men in Black. It's a great movie. We just turn the mics on. It's going to be gold. We get roughly 11 minutes in and find ourselves in the midst of a conversation about border security and immigration so uncomfortable that it actually broke our recording equipment. My computer decided it would rather die than record. Uh, our thoughts for anyone else to hear. I will accept full responsibility. I was thinking about it too hard. I was taking it too seriously. And I mean, I'm going to challenge you later and say you weren't thinking hard enough about it. But, <laughs> but we'll get oh, there. okay. Fighting words. Good start to 2019, yep. Billy. <laughs> yep. Yep. For us, it's still 2018. So we have another, I don't know, day and a half to fight about Meta Black. Fine. But yes, then as we tried to repair the equipment, I got a work call. And then when I was done, Kim, you very thoughtfully said, maybe we need to pack it in for today. <laughs> and so we did. We had a beer instead. And uh, onwards and upwards. Yes, we're, we're coming back with a more thoughtful Men in Black experience uh, today. About protecting the universe from the scum. The scum. Of, of the, the universe. universe. Yep. Wait, no. What is the actual tag? I think it's. I've, I think it's scum of the uh, something something scum. Protecting of the Earth, Earth from, from the scum, scum of the universe. universe. We are never going to have a career in yes. Hip-hop. They're very like <laughs> Earth first. They they don't really care about the rest of the of the universe. But. Uh, no, disagree. Okay, we're already getting into this argument. All right, shall we do our? Two minutes of housekeeping before we jump into what's going on for the next three weeks. Right. Patreon subscribers, you have a new exclusive episode to look forward to uh, this month. We will be talking about 
one of my favorite Tom Cruise movies of all time. Yeah, we pretty much already teased it here. Uh, we're going to be talking War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. Uh, it just seemed appropriate. We're doing this fun little alien trilogy. Why don't we do Tom Cruise's, I was about to say his best alien movie, but that, that's not that's not true, is it? Well, uh, there's an argument to be made for Edge of Tomorrow. Okay, but... it's in competition for Tom Cruise's best alien-themed movie. Well, then maybe that will be our Patreon-exclusive episode the month following, well, and we knows? can compare them. Either way, it's certainly a very good one. I think it's going to be a fantastic episode. I'm very excited to sit down and record it. So you can head over to patreon.com slash Talk, where you will find already our Magnolia holiday extravaganza. And thank you so much to everyone who has already subscribed to us. We so appreciate it. It makes a huge difference. Yes, and so you can expect War of the Worlds the last week of January. And then in February... We are going to be talking about just, I'm going to call it a franchise. I don't, I think that's fair. I think it's fair to call it a franchise. It is a franchise. We're not going to tell you what it is quite yet, but I just need you to know the idea sort of flitted into my brain the way that things do. And then I texted it to Billy and his response with a special like personal story was so fantastic that I I honestly think it'll be the best thing we ever do. That is going to be exciting. Uh, You're going to start getting that in February. We'll tell you about it. A little more later. For right now, though, for January, we are going back-to-back Men in Black 1, Men in Black 2, Men in Black 3. And today we are talking about Men in Black 1. Yes. Just known as Men in Black. So this is, I think to be fair, kind of like a little bit of an experiment for us, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a short one. We're going to be seeing what kind of formats work. There may be some delightful surprises over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Bear with us. We'll be seeing that. There may be no surprises. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Very unfair tease right there. But uh, either way, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, At the very least, these are some, I was about to say these are some awesome movies. (laughs) This is Well, this movie, movie. the movie that we're going to talk about today is awesome. And I think that's a fair point to just sort of dive right right in. in. Do you want to talk about the two questions you would like to answer today? And possibly for all time going forward. Yeah, just very simply, is this movie good? And the second question is, uh, what's the takeaway? Like, what does this movie contribute to the world? Okay, so we've answered the first one. This movie's good. Uh, <laughs> are we done? What? Um, no, I, I, episode. <laughs> yeah, okay, but so we've established this movie is good. So why is this movie good? Because, I, and I guess just to like sort of sort of toss this in here, we sort of want to talk about like, why is this movie good? So that when we go forward... And look at two of the more disappointing sequels of my lifetime. <laughs> we can maybe give like a more thoughtful answer to why are these movies not good? Um, I do have to say, watching again for the f- uh, first time in years, I was just struck by how fucking great Tommy Lee Jones is. And I know that this movie was sort of a star vehicle for Will Smith, mm-hmm. but it's Tommy Jones that I think is the true comedic, like bright light of the movie. Okay. You, you know I like to engage in hyperbole. Yes. I, I like to say exaggerated things that I can't back up. But I'm being serious here. I, I want like to think carefully about this because, look, this take might break the internet. <laughs> okay. Is this Tommy Lee Jones' best performance? You know, I honestly think it might be. It's one of the things that I was sort of dancing around in my own head. So I think Tommy Lee Jones... He is renowned for his role. Um, you know, Harrison Ford shows up in the cave and he's like, I didn't kill my wife. And Tommy- I don't care. <laughs> it's Just- fucking fantastic. People always quote, I didn't kill my wife. But the actual great line, the better delivery Just is. Straight face. I don't, I don't care. care. There's no emotion there. He doesn't care. <laughs> so like, yes, obviously that's the go-to answer, right? Is like, oh, it's the fugitive. He's the best of the fugitive. But like watching this movie, I'm like, oh yeah, he's a funny fucking guy. And I just want to sit down with the casting directors who brought together the team of Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith and just like buy them a beer. And here's the funny thing. I like, this wasn't their initial pairing for the, for the roles of agent K and J. Do you want to do the rundown? Yeah. So the, person who said no to agent you were texting K. me this as i was watching the movie and it was well, breaking my brain i'm gonna build up to it so okay. k was initially uh tommy lee jones's role was offered to clint eastwood who turned it down which makes a, a certain amount of sense that they're not wildly far off yeah and then jones only uh, agreed to the role after steven spielberg who's an executive producer on the film got on the phone and was like look i promise the script will get better please do it <laughs> <laughs> i promise this will be good And then Steven Spielberg had to make a second phone call to uh, Mr. Will Smith, who quite famously in lots of uh, interviews for the movie was like, I didn't actually believe it was Steven Spielberg at the time. And uh, 
Steve just asked him to be in the movie, and uh, thankfully he said yes. The people that turned down this role, just like, I feel like we should have a moment of silence Mm -hmm. (laughs) for Chris O'Donnell, who played Robin in Batman and Robin. uh, And he didn't want to play the junior role again. He didn't want to get tagged as a sidekick. Yeah, and I don't have details around this, but I do know, because the internet says it, and the internet is always true, David Schwimmer. Turn the part down. I, 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 okay. I don't know what to do with that information. Because <laughs> can you on, imagine Ross Geller? Because <laughs> on the one hand, I can imagine like it wouldn't be funny to watch Tommy Lee Jones deal with a wisecracking, exasperated David Schwimmer because mm-hmm. you would be too much on Tommy Lee Jones's side. Right. (laughs) Like the way the reason the pairing works so well is that like it's hard. You can't not be with Will Smith. Right. He can make as many jokes as he wants and it's never annoying. Yeah. But you also like Tommy Lee Jones because he's such a like solid reassuring force in this like wacky world they're throwing out. Yeah. The idea of trying to strike that balance between Jones and Schwimmer, like you would just be hoping that Schwimmer got like fucking blasted into goo. Well, yeah. And every I, turn in this movie. I think the reason why Jones and Smith work so well together are because, you know, Will Smith is playing his Fresh Prince of Bel-Air character here. He's, like, doing this persona, which is, you know, loud and fun and over the top. And Tommy Lee Jones is so straight-faced and so just, like, there's no voice fluctuations. He's just, like, flat. But comedically so. So it's the juxtaposition between these two comedic The line reading about the presentation of the noisy cricket (laughs) from Tommy Lee Jones remains to this day one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yes. Oh, kid. (laughs) Be careful with that. But- but let's let's take a brief detour into Will okay. Smith and his energy for just a second. Because okay. I'm I'm with you that like I've always thought of this as a Will Smith movie. Going back to it, I was like, God damn that Tommy Lee Jones is a I think magnet. he steals the show. I think one of the best scenes in the movie is actually when uh they are driving upside down in the in the tunnel. God, and Elvis. you know Yes. Like he's just singing Elvis. He's just like he's not blinking. He's got like the tiniest grin. Will Smith is literally writhing on the top of the car, screaming and freaking out. And while that is a very, very funny performance, what's what funnier makes it to funny me is that Will, he's like, just chill. Yeah. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones is just singing along with Elvis. And I like there is one scene in this movie where he lets his emotions kind of get out of control. You you could argue there's like the scene at the computer where he's talking with about Elizabeth, his lost love. Yeah. But really, the only scene where he gets worked up. So, so I don't know if you know this about me. I have a particular sensitivity to comedy involving animals. <laughs> you mean you really like it? I love it. Okay. Like, I I can I can describe and understand that there are funnier scenes in movies than the ones I'm about to describe. But I've never laughed harder than the scene in Anchorman where Jack Black kicks the dog off the bridge. <laughs> and I'm sure. I'm sure this. Same. I'm sure this is the point where like all serious film people are like unsubscribing from the podcast. No, I'm now looking at you and being like, how have we not watched this movie together? I like actually hurt myself laughing so hard. I saw that for the first time in, um, I guess first year undergrad. And for a week afterwards, I would be in a lecture hall (laughs) and I would just think about that scene and I would start laughing. I laughed so hard. I started coughing, like hacking and like my throat was sore for three days afterwards. So for me, I I remembered, I'd say like 97% of this movie. For some reason, I did not remember Frank the pug. (laughs) Oh God. And when Tommy Lee Jones shows up and starts like losing his shit on this dog and just shaking him. I have a note here that says Tommy Lee Jones shaking a fake pug may be the greatest act of physical comedy of all time. Exactly. <laughs> and it's partly because he plays it so damn serious. Like yeah. he he could be in No Country for Old Men at that point <laughs> as he's interrogating this dog. Yes. I was howling on my couch. He's so fucking funny in this movie well that's his thing he's just straight in the face of like obscenity right and the scene where you know they pull over the alien couple who are clearly (laughs) fleeing earth and like it's so funny with like she's giving birth in the back seat and like will smith is being tossed around and like Kay isn't even registering he's like you're doing great kid and it's just like proceeding to like calmly inquire as to like why the husband is leaving it's just 
that was my favorite scene as a kid, I think. And it's only like now as an adult that I can really appreciate just like the comedy, like the, the thoughtful comedy being played out. Also, and this is something I only recognize as an adult. Will Smith has the very famous line, I make this look good. Yes. Which is uh, not true. Tommy Lee Jones is actually wearing the shit out of that suit. It's cut very well to fit mm-hmm. him. Will Smith is doing like kind of a 90s style three button suit. It's, it's not, it's not working. He doesn't look as good as uh, Tommy Lee Jones does, well, which is stunning. It's because it's not the suit that's meant for him. And this changes at the end that's, when. Okay. <laughs> Completely fair. He looks fantastic at the end. Yes. But. Can I also just before, okay, so clearly what makes this movie good is Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith playing off each other perfectly. They're both. Comedically pitch perfect. Fantastic individually. And then you put them together and it's like. Dean so, Martin and Jerry Lewis or something. Yeah, you know? like it, it's, it's perfect. And um, one of my favorite Tommy Lee Jones lines in this movie is, again, like, what makes him so funny is he just plays against your expectations. You're expecting deadpan, and then he just, like, does something delightful, and because you weren't expecting it, it's even funnier. When he is introducing uh, Jay to the men in black, like, just, like, what the headquarters are. Basically, he's giving him an orientation tour, mm-hmm. and he introduces him to the two twin aliens who basically monitor the skyboards and he's like yeah and this is Wunang and bob yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he like he also even manages to be kind of profound in a very silly movie like i actually love the little speech he gives to will smith um right when he's given will smith the choice he's like you can join us but here's the cost you gotta leave behind everything yada yada, yada. and he, he gives the whole thing like 100 years ago we knew that earth was Center of the universe, yes. blah, blah, blah. And then he just leaves on the line, imagine what you'll know tomorrow. Yeah. Which I, I love. That's like just kind of a great. Yeah, no, but it like it totally ties to the point that he's trying to make to Jay through this, which is just, you know, there are 1,500 aliens living on the planet at any given time. And he's saying to him, you know, most of them are decent enough. They're just trying to make a living. And then Jay asks him, well, why don't you just tell people? Like people are smart. They can handle it. And Kay says to him, a person is smart. People are dumb, dangerous, panicky mm. animals, and you know it. And then he sort of gives this speech about, like, what we know isn't actually necessarily true. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a truth that a lot of people aren't willing to wrestle with, that the reality as we know it might not be correct. And we might have to completely reassess who we think we are and what how important we think we are in the grand scheme of things. So when I was 10, my best friend Adnan was obsessed with the fact that you couldn't disprove that neuralizers are real. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, you just, you can't, you can't prove that you, you didn't have your mind wiped. I love that your friend, like, I love, he took it very seriously. Well, no, I love that your friend chose to focus on the neuralizers as opposed to the grand like reveal at the Uh, end, which is like, we're all just living in a a giant marble. Yeah. So let me ask you a question because I know that later on in this episode, we are going to return to the topic of immigration. So if, if, (laughs) if you're going to get heavy, let, let me get heavy here. So the, the whole thing about like, what if there's hidden truths being, being, um, applicable to today, that was the part of this movie that like actually felt really fucking weird watching in 2018 so um you you like to quote philosophy on here so i'm i'm gonna drop a reference that i really probably don't doesn't belong. i uh, like there was one incident so and- i was reading mishiko kakutani's <laughs> the death of truth uh fantastic book right but all about like what do you do when the president of the united states just says the, the news media is fake what you're reading is fake right and like what are the outcomes of not believing in the reality that surrounds you? And Tears into- and sadness. Well, right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Ennui. <laughs> and so all the talk in this movie about like the sheeple who just buy into whatever they want. Like I found that a lot more uncomfortable this go around than I did when I was 10. I guess, I guess my reaction wasn't um, that. My, my reaction was more this like surprised joy at how simple and clear this movie was in its attitude toward cultures that are different from our own. The men in black want the aliens here because the men in black understand that the aliens bring with them changes that are ultimately good for humans. So yeah, there are some stray ones in the whole pack that are going to do some damage. Like as Tommy Lee Jones says, like at any given point, there's always a threat to this planet, but that's not enough for us to say, stop coming here, aliens, 
because ultimately you make us better. And I just thought that that like they're obviously not hitting you over the head with that message, but that's their whole point as an institution to create balance and to learn from to integrate the aliens and to learn from them. So I chose not to That's see my stance on immigration in this movie. Allegory going on here because I think if you do read it that way, it becomes a dystopian hellscape where <laughs> immigrants are forced to conform to look acceptable to everyone else. They're interned okay. to one specific geographical location. And if they try to escape, they are executed at will by agents of the state. Okay. But this is, this is, a, this is like kind of one of the fun and interesting things to talk about when you're talking about this kind of like science fiction, right? So like probably my favorite just, franchise encompassing all media ever is X-Men, right? Mm -hmm. You get this kind of fun, kind of weird, kind of icky thing that happens sometimes with the X-Men, which is that it lends itself so naturally to this allegory um, that can be about race. It can be about religion. It can be about orientation. It can be about anything, right? But sometimes authors just want to write a story about a guy who can shoot lasers out of his eyes. <laughs> or, forgive me, concussive blasts out of their eyes. It's actually a big Scott, difference. Scott, thanks you for that. Yes. They're not hot. People have to get that wrong. They're not laser beams. <laughs> anyway. So, like, if you're reading this comic month to month, sometimes the act of being able to shoot concussive blasts out of your eyes is about race. And then sometimes it's just like, hey, what if we had people who could do this? Yeah. But then if you read it back to back, it's like, that allegory is <laughs> making me sick to my stomach. And I feel like that's kind of what's going on in this movie, right? There are certainly some moments where they... Like, look, this opens with a scene of, um, it, like... Presumably illegal right, Mexican trying to immigrants. sneak across the border. Yeah. The movie wants you to go there. I'm not saying, like, it's a completely off-base thing. Yeah. It's just, like, if you then continue to follow that thought too far... I guess it's sort of tied to the argument that... Also, apparently all bugs are bad. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> immigration from some parts of the universe. Sure. Uh, fun bugs, fact. no. So, the Animal Protection Unit, like, whatever that organization is that, like, you always at the end of the film credits like no, no animals, animals were, were harmed, harmed. Yeah. Uh, that applies to cockroaches as well so when Jay is squishing the cockroaches at the end to antagonize the giant uh, bug which by the way for the longest time I was looking at the giant bug and I was like why do I recognize this bug and why do I, so do I associate him with cuteness and then I was like oh my god the way that the bug's like head and body is shaped like with its mm -hmm. eyes he looks like Toothless the dragon from How to Train oh, Your sure. Dragon yeah 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 especially in the eyes random thought but um, yeah, so Will Smith is actually squishing packets of mustard. mustard yeah. <laughs> He's killing. Which, uh, this to this day, the scene where he kicks the rusting, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, dumpster? Thank you. Okay, <laughs> so when he kicks the rusting dumpster and the largest pile of cockroaches I've ever seen Ugh. comes out. Yeah. It still, still gets me icky. But look, yeah. while we're talking about bugs... Do, here, wait, let me just quickly yeah. finish my point. So again, uh, with my like hopeful, oh, look, change is good society. That is the message part that I'm focusing on. But I, I, I also hate believe that part, right? It's like, we will let you come if you give us CDs and like <laughs> fancy technology. But if you just need a safe place to go, that will well, fuck that I noise. Guess the argument that Kay is making, and I'm not trying to prove that I am right. I guess he's just saying, here's where we're at in terms of our integration process. It's been about, what, 30 years in this timeline yeah. at this point. And so like we're still clearly figuring out our relationships with the aliens if every single day our planet is under threat of attack. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the men in black are working towards a place of calm. And at that point, when things are stabilized, then they'll be like, hey, humans, guess what? So let me let me be very... That's what I choose Let to me be very, very clear. I am not trying to be aggressively woke about men in black. <laughs> I just... When you proposed this last week, I was so caught off guard... <laughs> that it, it took me a moment to readjust. I guess it's just, let me rephrase it again. This is a very simple, like your brain isn't working, but a very simple tale of how a new people can come and that can be a good thing. And like literally that's where your brain stops, right? Like, Sure. And then once you're exposed <laughs> to the reality of what these new people are, it's like, oh, it's just couples with babies, right? Trying to make a living in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. End of thinking about Men in Black too hard. <laughs> yes. Okay. But speaking of bugs, look, we heaped all the praise in the world onto Tommy Lee Jones. A good dollop of praise onto Will Smith. 
it would be a crime if we let this go past without talking about Vincent D'Onofrio. He is so fantastic, but we also need to talk about his makeup artist who succeeds in making him look like a rotting corpse. Okay, so where are we going first? You want to talk about Vincent D'Onofrio or do you want to talk about Billy's next hyperbole <laughs> that these are the best special effects in the 90s? Well, why don't we start with Vincent? Because okay. credit where credit is due. And without Vincent, you don't have a body to put those effects on. Sure. Go ahead. Um, so certainly at that age, I had not seen Full Metal Jacket, which I think might be what he had been best known for at that point. Uh, it's entirely possible the only Vincent D'Onofrio performance I'd seen before Men in Black was uh, Adventures in Babysitting. Okay. <laughs> I'll be very honest to you and say I I don't think I've seen Full Metal Jacket in 20 years and I don't think I've ever seen Adventures in Babysitting. Oh, so this is my only God Vincent film. Damn it, Kim. <laughs> what? I don't know. That was a formative movie for me. <laughs> like okay. it's not good. A future And if you want to talk about to come. movies it wouldn't be good to be aggressively woke about because <laughs> be a 2-hour Circle. Nah. So, okay. I'm not, I'm not going to go on my adventures in babysitting spiel. We'll save that for some other later date. Okay. But he's so... Watch, watching that movie for the first time, like, I, I don't know. I, I guess I was so taken aback by your admission that you haven't seen <laughs> adventures in babysitting that I'm I've, sorry, my brain I is now shut down. I don't know anything about it. I actually don't know, like... You don't even know the movie I'm talking about? No. It's John Hughes' classic. All right, we'll, we'll get there sorry. later. So what, what do you have to say about Vincent D'Onofrio? Just honestly that... You know, we've spent a lot of time talking about a physical actor, and I thought this guy totally killed it. Like, if you were, if your task was to play as though a giant bug was inhabiting your body, like, yeah. how would you move? How would you speak? And I clearly don't know what the right answer is, but I feel like Vincent has come as close as we'll ever get to what that reality would actually look he like. He does such a good job at playing it that it actually starts to break the movie because I'm like, Everybody on the street should be like, that guy's an alien. Yeah. Because he, he <laughs> his performance is so weird and wacky and hilarious. I especially loved him across from Tobias Funke. Oh my God, what is his uh, real David name? David Cross. David Cross. Uh, when he comes to the morgue and David Cross is just swatting, swatting bugs, bugs and he's just like, stop that. You shouldn't do that. No, but that was also the scene where I just couldn't look away from how disgusting his skin was. It's It's amazing. Yeah, and like, which movie did this? Uh, which award did it did it, win? Best it won makeup best makeup at the Academy yeah, Awards, and, and rightfully so. Yeah, and it was nominated for best art direction and best original score, score by Danny Elfman, which I also adored. It's a great, Danny Elfman score. Yeah, I like. I'm just gonna take a moment to appreciate it over the opening credits because, like, the score tells you everything you need to know about this movie. So. As we're watching the camera pan across the credits and we're following this dragonfly, like the music is suspenseful, but it's also quirky and it's playful. Yeah. yeah. And then it's it very culminates good at setting the tone. in the bug that we presumably are supposed to care about because we've been following it for so long, just getting splattered across this windshield. And yes, I, I oddly was like transfixed with the bug watching it this time I was like what is the meaning of this and like, then splat are dragonflies like <laughs> aliens on our world but I guess <laughs> I guess it's it's kind of funny if you if, dragonflies are aliens well no that's that's world. what I was thinking and I was like oh I guess actually it's kind of like an it actually ties together really nicely if you think about the very very first scene and the very very end scene that like we think of bugs as like insignificant and whatever but like we are insignificant little marbles in, yeah yeah yeah, not very, not very, very <laughs> so, wise. So many allegories for people who aren't that smart <laughs> to take away from the Men in Black films. <laughs> um, there is one character that we haven't really talked about, and I'm so sorry. Uh, what Linda plays, Fiorentino? There we go, yeah. playing Laurel, our um, mortuary yeah. keeper. Uh, she's kind of weird in the role. I don't so, know. So, so, so I. Okay, we can go in one or two directions because we're only going to talk about why this is good. Okay. So I, I actually think Linda Fiorentino is great in this. I like Linda Fiorentino in general. Hers is an interesting story, especially an interesting story to try and um, untangle in 2018 uh, in the Me Too era. And I don't know how well equipped you and I am or, not. Or, or, <laughs> I'm going to say how <laughs> well equipped I am to do that. But like, yeah, it, it was a weird turn for her, right? She'd primarily done like erotic thrillers of the type 
made in the 90s before this. And then after this, she gets um, the label of being difficult. Yeah. While launching a lawsuit alleging various sexual improprieties on a, on a film set. And I feel like that would be a very different story if it happened today, right? Totally. But happening in 2000. And it's very like, brave of her to do what she oh, did. for sure. Yeah. But her career. And I away. guess that's kind of, because the reason why I said she's a bit weird in this film, it so sucks that the scene that actually, I think makes this, it's the only really bad spot in the movie is the one where she is trying There's to something get. I need yes, to show you. Where she's trying to get Jay to look down at her leg okay. and it's like explicit. Can sexual innuendo, you but it's awful. Explain a line to me. I didn't get it in 1997. Turns out I still don't get it in okay. 2018. Let me see. Listen, there's just one thing I got to tell you. I need to drive. Yeah. It's my thing. Okay. What the so fuck that, does that mean? Is I he talking about, about it's operating just, automotive vehicles? N- no, <laughs> I think what he's talking about is having to lead the flirtation. And so he wants to be the hunter and she's the prey. Like he has to chase I, her, I, I, not her chase him. Although he's saying to her, look, you're hot. So I'm into it, but just let me chase you. And I just went, why is this happening? This movie has been so great in every other capacity. Even that, though, doesn't make sense. That's not how human <laughs> beings uh, woo each other. Unless you're Will Smith and you can get anyone you want. Right, but Will <laughs> so Smith... so the fun is in the chase. No, 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 hang on. It makes even less sense that Will Smith needs to be like, here is... He's structuring... Okay, to go back to thesis statements, he's structuring <laughs> no, it like... No, we banned that word. <laughs> he's structuring it like a university essay, right? Like, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to tell you what I told you. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to tell you how I'm going to date you, then I'm going to date you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you how I dated you. I, I, the line makes no fucking sense. I, I honestly don't know what's going on. And there. honestly, like... Also, that- Tommy Lee Jones is like six feet away, and he's like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's just very just like weird. Like deadpan staring into space. But yeah, like that's the only scene for me that doesn't work in this movie. And it worked so badly that it's just left like a weird aftertaste a in my mouth. Weird, and glaring. unfortunately, Laurel is the, she's the center of that scene. So yeah. Bad rap, Laurel. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say just while we are in the morgue mm-hmm. and talking about, uh, Laurel and David Cross's uh, uh, character. One of the reasons I think this movie is good is how specific it is to a time and place. Because when paired together, David Cross and Linda Fiorentino are so aggressively mid-90s New York City, <laughs> it is my favorite thing in the world. So MJ was incensed by the outfit they had uh, Laurel in. She was like, that the skirt is far too short for a mortician or uh, mort- whatever. Mortician, I think, sure. is right, yeah. Um, which, yeah, I'm sure that's absolutely correct. Even though it, it appears later that they are actually skorts furthering the late 90s, whatever. But, like, her look and David Cross's look. <laughs> like that you've really studied this uh, yeah. <laughs> skirt of hers. Skort. Okay, well, now you're making it weird. <laughs> I didn't point it out. But when you put them together, it just filled me with this, like, happy nostalgia for what is objectively one of the worst fashion periods in human history. But like, I mean, I was pretty delighted when Will Smith first comes onto the screen looking like, you know, the fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Just lots of bright colors. The orange tracksuit with like the, the jacket tied Tied around around his waist. Like, I think it's like a onesie, but a cool one where he's just tied it off at the waist. Yeah. And then later (laughs) the bright yellow later, he will wear a t-shirt tucked into faded baggy jeans with a belt and Timberlands. I'm just (laughs) like, that's, that's, I, Warms your heart. Yeah. I will never not be happy watching people be comfortably dressed like that. All right. Well, speaking of fashion, I love that so much of this movie rides on like a Britishism, Orion's belt versus Orion's column collar. And I just think like it's such From a gentle Rosenberg, the like best character name <laughs> that has ever existed. Totally. And I just think it's such a. Like maybe the screenwriters, producers, director could have thought a little bit harder about a better, more challenging. Like it's like a word puzzle that they just have to figure out and like a Saturday morning crossword that has just been eluding them. The Ryan's belt. I love it. I love it so much. (laughs) 
I'm not complaining about it. And I want to give props now to the best feline performance I think I have ever seen. It's, it's pretty, it's a pretty good performance out of that cat. When the Archillian guy, so like his face is popped open and he's lying there, which I remember being blown away by that the effect galaxy. as a kid. <laughs> he's on. Yeah. He rises. And then he just like passed out. It's yeah. great. Um, I know it's obviously not the cat acting and they've just cut it this way, but the film editor has cut it so that the cat clearly registers when its true owner mm. dies and he cries. And yeah. I just looked at Penny, who was, you know, just like fucking up my shit in the yeah. apartment. <laughs> Penny, who, by the way, frankly needs a talking to a better sloppy production of last week's attempt at this. Like, really, if there's anyone to blame for our... I mean, you did get really cute photos of her afterwards when we were sitting, sitting in, in defeat. Front of the mic. <laughs> yeah. She was like, sit down, kids. I'm going to show you how it's done. Yeah. But so while we are at the Archillian Prince, I, I like we just we got to talk about how good this movie looks. It's like I am blown away by the fact that the effects are that good pre-Matrix. Like I think I have this sort of like mental block in my head where before the Matrix, I like I just expect effects to be bad. And then right. post-Matrix, like everyone up their game. But this movie, it's so great. So it's. Interesting. I've I've often had kind of the opposite thing that I think of like the early years of full CGI is, are some of the worst looking movies we've ever had. Mm-hmm. So so like immediately after uh, the Matrix. So MJ does her annual Christmas Harry Potter rewatch from start to finish, and Harry Potter one a, a movie I. It's oddly defend. People seem to hate the first two. I'm like, I, I think they got some stuff going on. Bad rap, Christopher Columbus. But there are some truly appalling special effects going on in that movie. The the troll is yeah. like, you, you can't even look at it. So what I often hold up is like, my ideal special effects movies are Terminator 2 and Jurassic Park 1. Mm-hmm. Because to me, they're coming at like, Hollywood has advanced so much in terms of practical special effects. And then CGI has just arrived to allow them to bridge anything they can't do practically. Yeah. Right? Um, There's a lot of puppets in Jurassic Park. Right. And and that to me is where I'm like, oh, that's where like, because I'm old. Like I'm an, I'm an old <laughs> fucking man. I'm like, that's where special effects were like at their best. But like you go back and you watch Jurassic Park 1, the Brachiosaurus is like, you can't even kind of look oh, at it. Oh, we all it. cried. So it's not great. We are crying sure. as the characters see the dinosaurs. But <laughs> it, it doesn't look great. Yeah. This movie, though, I think is like actually better holds that trophy because the practical effects in this are amazing. Absolutely. The scene where they are walking through MIB headquarters and you're seeing all the different aliens and the effects are happening. The coffee guys just smoking a cigarette look better (laughs) than most things I saw in theaters this year. So so like I, I can count here like three of the best special effects I think I've ever seen. So... The Archelian, the reveal of the Archelian Prince, yeah, still looks amazing. Oh, I remember gasping the first time I saw that. The puppet of the alien baby who pukes <laughs> on Will Smith is so Perfect. cute. I love it. And the reveal of Mikey in the in the very first opening scene, where the the, the poncho comes head. off and he's holding the head, and the head is still blinking. Yes, and he's holding it. I made a note to myself where I was watching this where, you know, if I have access to uh, children between the age of eight and ten one day what? who have not seen Men access in Black. To. <laughs> Wait until you and have Do you have, you have a problem with your, your police children. background check? What's your- I can't wait to show them this movie for the very first time with no context and just watch their reaction to that scene. Mm-hmm. Like, just watch them all of a sudden so realize good. that that man is actually a head lollipop. Yeah. And and even things like, um, okay, so I, I I will admit I keep getting this confused. Which one is Jay and which one is Kay? Jay is James, who is Will, and Kay is Tommy Lee Jones. Right. Okay. So when Kay is wrestling with the pug, <laughs> the way they make the pug talk looks fantastic. And if you were going to do it in 2018, the entire dog would be CGI, you know, mm-hmm. like they wouldn't just do the face, but the way he's able to pick up the dog and shake him. Yeah. It just looks <laughs> so good. Um, but yeah, I mean like even, even the bug at the very end, which is maybe the special effect that has aged the worst just because yeah. it's entirely digital. 
still looks pretty darn good. Yeah. And, um, you know, I said that, you know, the bug looked like Toothless, but actually I, I think it's the reverse. Toothless kind of looks like the bug, even if they didn't like do that on purpose. They also do something in this movie that is so effective. A completely digital alien will get shot and very real goo will land on characters. <laughs> and it just, it makes it so real by making something like, it's something so tactile. Like you can feel how sticky and gross that is. Yeah. And one of my people's mouths, favorite uh, IMDb trivia facts was the, the note about that scene, which is that Tommy Lee Jones was totally fine with being covered in the goo, but Will Smith hated it. That makes <laughs> a complete and perfect sense to me. Like Tommy Lee Jones, just like no emotion at all. Yeah. <laughs> and Will Smith is like, Oh guys. <laughs> Um, another thing I will note about that scene uh, is that Kay, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, basically has to hold his breath in this alien for at least three to four minutes. It's and I just made a time. little note to uh, take that Ethan Hunt. So Agent uh, K versus Ethan Hunt. Through yeah, threads. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. So is there anything else we wanted to talk about in terms of what makes this movie so good? I mean, I could talk about triangle watches and Ray-Bans all night long. I but love I, that those specific Ray-Bans increased like like millions of dollars of yeah. sales after this movie. Do you think Oakley, after they gave Ethan the Oakleys, was like hoping for the same bump? Yeah. And then <laughs> I, I have literally one other bullet point to talk about why is this movie good. Go for it. Okay. Um, I think this movie is truly an all ages movie or a family movie. And yeah. one of the things that sticks out in my memory about this movie is that it was coming out at a time when, um, I guess I would have been 11. It would have been on home video when I was 12. It's an age where, it, especially boys of my era, when you hit that age, you're like, you know, you're trying to make a very conscious thing to like, I am putting childish things behind me. I only want to see R rated movies with guns and boobs, right? <laughs> the true rite of passage. Into exactly. Malehood. It's, it's young boys between the ages of eight and 14 should be put in a cell or something. <laughs> they should not be allowed out. But like, there's a real conscious, you're trying to de define, <laughs> exactly. You're trying to define yourself by like the media you're watching, right? And like, mm -hmm. I don't watch baby shit. I watch cool shit. Mm -hmm. This is a movie that like, well into my teens, people were totally happy at a party to sit down and watch because it's just fun. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter what age you are. There's nothing so obscenely offensive that you can show this to a very young child. It's the Pixar test, right? And like actually yeah, before that, when you... You know what? That's a wonderful way of describing it. Well, before when you said uh, how surprised you were that you loved it so much like as an adult as you did when you were a kid, like I thought to myself, well, that's what Pixar aims to do with every single one of their movies yeah. and that's why they are so successful because parents who are going to take their kids to the theater because like that's just like... <laughs> yeah, you gotta take to... them somewhere. Jesus, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but... That's the goal, to have a film that both parents and kids can equally enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I think this movie is, I guess, ahead of its time in that sense. I don't know. Or maybe behind its time? I mean, like I just I, made the grand statement. I haven't thought about no, it No, I mean, much, I'm but. trying to locate it within, <laughs> like, I mean, I guess you could totally argue that the Marvel movies are aiming for that same groove of, we're not for kids, we're not for adults, we're for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, arguably, Star Wars is in the same spot, right? Yeah, but, but I think, like, like, even just talking with some of my friends who are parents or colleagues who are parents, they're still always, they ask the question, mm, Star Wars, mm, Marvel, is it right. too scary for kids? Whereas with this movie, I don't think you'd have any qualms showing it to a five-year-old no because it gets tense at moments there are stakes but it's never really like scary and it's balanced by will smith's goofy scream right it, yeah. it's i mean like the the tired and trite comparison is ghostbusters right mm -hmm. but it's totally living in that same mold where it's funny to a seven-year-old it's funny to a 40-year-old yeah well done, Men in Black team. Okay, you get a grading, a rate, oh, Jesus. <laughs> you get a rating of good. <laughs> this movie is good. I actually have one more thing that makes this movie so great. Oh, sorry. Which we, no, 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 no. I just jump it, in the noisy cricket. No, it just occurred to me. Okay. The Men in Black song that Here will smith <laughs> yeah. and i know every single word i'm not going to sing it because i hear my voice on these playbacks and i want to die but um that <laughs> 
good. No, thank you. I, <laughs> but I was listening to it, and I was like, the fact that I can still remember all of these lyrics, the fact that I can still see the music video so clearly, and the music video was a like a vehicle for film oh, promotion. Sure. Him dancing with Mikey, and I was... think like wasn't it his first single outside of his DJ, of DJ Jazzy, Jazzy Jeff? Jeff? Yeah, I think it was, and it was uh, massively successful. He didn't have a single during the entire time he was on Fresh Prince. Um, n- not outside his partnership with Jazzy Jeff, I okay. don't think. Check the show notes, everyone. Right. We'll confirm or we'll deny. No, I'm, I, I'm sure you're right. I just, in retrospect, that blows my mind. Yeah, okay. and I was just trying to think to myself, like, is there another, like, film track duo that has been so successful? The only one that I could come up with was My Heart Will Go On and Titanic. But even that feels different, right? Because it's, like, not the lead singing it like that's part of why this mm-hmm. worked right is that like i mean like maybe it's a star is born <laughs> um okay but serious question not talking about the movies just talking about the songs what's better men in black or wild wild west oh that's hard but obviously well, they, wait it's not it's hard not, it's wild wild west no what it's men in black oh fuck fuck you <laughs> it is a hundred percent wild wild west no wild wild west is fun but men in black like it universally resonated in a way that Wild Wild West didn't. The film and the track, they're tied to one another's success. Wild Wild West hit a ceiling. Men in Black, there is no ceiling. They are making a fourth movie. Managed to live on and reach wider audiences when the movie exploded spectacularly. It's a testament to that song's excellence. My heart says Men in Black is the more successful song. No, I'm talking about the better song. Like, What is the more artistically satisfying song? I don't know. Like, I I have to tie it to my childhood experience mm. of dancing along <laughs> to Men in Black, okay. like, with the music okay. video. That's that's fair. Ten years old. I think it's Wild Wild West. I'm sticking with Men in Black. Yeah. Okay. Men in Black loyalty. All right. Well, this is not a song podcast. This is a <laughs> film podcast, and we have decided that Men in Black is good. It's great. It's great. I'm saying it's great. Yes. Um. So I think we only have, like... One more question. Mm-hmm. We don't really have to answer it, but like... Let's try. No, I'd love to okay. try. And then this can all get cut out and added to the dark, huge <laughs> box that we put <laughs> last week's recording into and never let all anybody see. All the passwords see. protecting it on yep. the internet. Um, so what does this movie bring to the world? And like this can be answered in different ways. It could just be like the, to the world of film or like the world in general or like, you know, if this movie like made in 1997, like what would you get out of watching it today? And I'm going to touch base on my very simplistic answer from before because I realized the topic of immigration is so nuanced and I feel like such an asshole from being like men in black will solve no, all of our problems. I'm not, no, but like, I'm here's not what I'm trying to shut you down. No, no, no. I, just, I guess I'm just, if you are trying to talk to a bigot and explain to them in a gentle way, like if you're trying to like sh- spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down or something like that. If you're trying to get a bigot who is anti-immigration to open their mind to all the good things that immigration can bring, I feel like this is the movie you show the stupid person, right? I just I and then I say just to them, can't shake the feeling that the takeaway, if you are already so inclined, is like got to build that wall because bugs like. <laughs> Well, but then the, like the argument that I would make to the stupid person is yes, but you see the men in black, they recognize that threat, but they still want the aliens here because the net gain outweighs the risks. Okay. So what is the net gain that aliens bring to earth in men in black? Uh, technology, knowledge, really cool so if you were if you were going to make this argument for like why we should allow immigration into canada is is that where you'd go like well i just said weapons no we have to cut this well this is just this is what i wanted to examine because i it's like to be honest with you if i wanted to convince a homophobe to not be so hateful i don't know that i'd show them x-men and be like see they saved the statue of liberty like (laughs) They'd be like, that one guy had claws and he killed a bunch of people. <laughs> like, I just, I feel like that allegory is so satisfying for people who already believe that. Yeah, I guess it's, it's, I guess I could just see someone like Donald Trump watching Men in Black and going, you know what? Maybe immigration is a good thing because 
again, they bring to us technology that advances our society. And like one of those things are like CDs or even though they talk about like computer technology and then you see like the oldest computer screen in the world at uh, Kay's desk. Like there's still like this (laughs) understanding that we are light years ahead of where we would be because of this new society that we are interacting with. So one, I think it is entirely possible that Donald Trump has watched Men in Black while in the White House. That sounds <laughs> pretty spot on. There's um, a war room briefing happening. He's just I, in his room <laughs> laughing at how funny Tommy Lee Jones is. He shot that bug real good. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. So that's 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 is that your answer for uh, what do we take away? I don't want it to be anymore because you are rightfully poking no, holes I just, in this argument. I, I guess I'm just trying to be convinced. I, I'm, I'm being a joy kill here. but <laughs> Just change is good is, I think, the moral takeaway of this movie. Okay. Change is good. I love that. That works for me. And also just the fact that you can't always know that you're right. Okay. Which is another thing that I think this movie sort of playfully but very seriously touches on. Well, and I also like... The idea of like, don't be afraid of the stuff you don't know. Yeah, like, exactly. I spe- like in our climate apocalypse, fascism across Europe, yada, yada, world we are starting 2019 in. It's all going to explode the, in 10 years with a massive earthquake and sure. like storm. So whatever, it's fine. The, the line you quoted from Kay when he's like, listen, kid, at any moment, it's an Archelian death ray or a whatever or mm-hmm. whatever. He's like, shit happens and we fix it. I actually did find that very reassuring. It's like, yeah, things are bad. Things have been bad before. Yeah. It doesn't mean that like you can ignore that things are bad now, but like there's no sense panicking about it. You just deal with it. And like, I really That's did like that. That's a great takeaway. I love that. Yeah. Uh, okay. But I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tie it back to what you said. Of like, like the thing I love about seeing this as an allegory for immigration is that like, it's just a bunch of fucking normal people. And once you get to know them, like trying to live a good life. Right. And like the world you already know already has these people here, right? Like, yeah, exactly. And presumably why these aliens are here are because they're refugees. They mm -hmm. are escaping otherwise hostile situations to live in a place of safety. And I guess the cost of that safety is full integration, but it's a price they're willing to pay for the safety of their family for now until we reach the utopia where aliens and humans can live as one. Find kind of sickening, but and I completely agree with you. I'm not advocating for (laughs) integration (laughs) to that degree at all, but for the stupid people. On well, no, a very okay, okay, level. okay. Let's go to a and movie. I'm being an asshole right now. No, by saying stupid. But you're not. Let's I'm go to a movie my bias. I really aggressively hate, which is X Men Three. Right? Mm-hmm. How much do you remember about X Men Three? Talk to me about plot points. It'll come back. I've seen these movies many times. They've okay, all so kind of blurred together. X Men Three is the one that deals with the cure, the mutant cure. Oh right. Um. So X Men One and Two by Brian Singer. Um. <laughs> aggressively is hitting the bell of this is an allegory for some sort of marginalized identity, right? Mm -hmm. And X-Men 3 has no interest in doing that whatsoever. X-Men 3 is interested in exploring, would you take a cure to take away your superpowers if your condition was that your superpowers stop you from being able to physically touch your boyfriend, Mm -hmm. right? And so at the end of X-Men 3, Rogue chooses to take the cure. And in the context of just X-Men three, that is not treating it as an allegory. I'm not saying it works because that movie is a fucking awful piece of trash. Like truly it's a sick, disgusting movie, but can't wait until we get to that one. <laughs> sure. Well, and that one's by Brett Ratner. Like has any series been hit more by like awful men who have been revealed as a, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we need not go down that route, but like it does somewhat work. It, it the sirens, sirens are, are telling us like, to oh, get Jesus, off Jesus, they're topic. talking about immigration again. <laughs> <laughs> but it works within the context of that movie. And then if you think about that point in the larger series where they've tried to tie superpowers to identity, it makes you sick to your goddamn stomach that like the movie is rewarding someone for choosing to like take the white pill or the straight pill or whatever the cure would then have to be in that allegory. And so it's just... <laughs> When I think about the fact that like they're all mandated to wear human masks, 
It's like it's except yeah. for Frank. Frank is a pug. Right. <laughs> You're right. Frank changes everything. And within the safety of uh, MIB headquarters, the aliens are as they are. Yep. It's just like I guess I I'm weirdly digging myself into this integration hole where I'm, I'm saying, trying to get there with you. I promise. No, and I I'm don't want you to. And I'm deeply uncomfortable that I'm in this hole now. It's just I'm in the hole, <laughs> and I feel like I have nothing to, to do but dig down. <laughs> Can't exactly. dig up. Fair. <laughs> so this is all to say. Everyone should be allowed to be who they are, wherever they are. And in the context of the Men in Black movie, they are working towards that future I choose to believe. Okay. And change is good. Uh, My takeaways are that dark suits are pretty much always a safe bet. Yep. Can't go wrong with that. Although black suits in daytime, a little little tacky, but... uh, well, in, in this case, they still look it was great. Clearly, the yeah, thing to sure. do, yeah. Um, but also, this would stand up there for me next to. I already said Ghostbusters, but I'm going to add to the mix. Let's say Back to the Future. Well, Let's say Raiders of the Lost Ark. Of just this. how movies can be fun, and that's their entire goal. Yeah, and the value of just a movie being fun doesn't have to be about immigration (laughs) (laughs) no i know i'm joking i'm joking i'm not trying to but like seriously that enjoying a fun movie just for being fun is valuable in and of itself and it makes me feel happy when i'm in a bad mood to talk about men in black because it's a great fun fucking movie yeah it's fun to think about it you know what and you just named movies that you think similarly exist in that fun like the movie is just yeah it's just fun for the sake of being fun Okay, I was going to say the last movie that we watched together in which I had so much fun, but it's so much more than just a fun movie, is yeah. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I cannot recommend enough. I think it's one of the best movies I've ever seen, period. And it is delightful. So I think Spider-Verse is... Ooh, I gotta think about this one. No, I'm just gonna say it. I think Spider-Verse might be better than all those movies I just quoted. I think it's one of the best movies of all time. Um, it's fucking fantastic. But I think its value is exactly, as you said, for something being more than just fun, right? It is trying to do something more and it succeeds in that regard fully. It is far and away the best Spider-Man treatment I've ever seen. And to bring it back to Men in Black, because we could spend hours talking about how good Into the Spider-Verse is, I think... I have unfairly placed on the men in black shoulders this allegory about accepting other cultures. And even though I do think it's there to a certain degree, I think I'm reading into it a little bit too hard. Well, (laughs) because I'm looking for these magical solutions. I, I find I sometimes have this really, really frustrating thing where like a new movie hits theaters that that reaches me in such a way that it's like I've never seen anything quite like that and now I just want to see a million things more like that and then you're like well where do I go do I yeah. just keep buying tickets to watch this on repeat I don't know but Spider-Verse is something right that like so clearly thought about the allegory it wanted so carefully yes and you could parse it down to the finest atom and it all holds up yes. as both a movie about people who have radioactive spider powers <laughs> and about people who are somehow othered in their society and, and learning how to relate to others. And also just the art of animation Oh, and d- the importance of stories and how those stories are told and who those stories are for. Right. Oh, it's just a great movie. Yeah. If you haven't seen Spider-Verse. <laughs> go see it, everyone. Go, go see Spider-Verse <laughs> and then come home and watch Men in Black and be like, okay, not quite as good but but super fun yeah (laughs) all right well uh i think that's about all we have to say about men in black i think so too are you excited to talk about men in black 2 next week um i only saw it the one time didn't like it uh i think we're gonna have a productive conversation i think there's gonna be a lot to talk about i i think uh what's well, no, I'll just save that for next week. Yeah, and uh, listeners, get ready. Again, in this like uh, this special little bubble that is our Men in Black experimentation zone, we're going to have our first guest star. It is going to be fantastic, especially because this guest star, I believe, has thoughts on Mission Impossible 2, which yeah, he might be the majority of our podcast. Who knows? with everything we said, but so, it'll be fun. If you have <laughs> thoughts on Men in Black 2 and or Mission Impossible 2, Tune in next week. (laughs) Um, Yeah. 
All right. So uh, what what do we say to end episodes now that we're not saying mission accomplished? I know. Um, oh, wait. Okay. Uh, okay. Visit, visit us. You start thinking about it. Visit <laughs> us on Twitter, twitter.com slash Kim and Billy Talk. Uh, visit us Patreon, patreon.com slash Kim and Billy Talk. Our logo designed by the fantastic Aaron Kosser. And okay, got one. Elvis isn't dead, guys. He, he just, just went, went home. home. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> just a great line. <laughs> Pretty good line. Oh, Penny looks so cozy. Uh, yes, she does. Okay, and we are recording. You really started it with the cat comment. Well, technically, you started it with the cat comment. I yeah, had nothing to do with it. It's ruining my brand. <laughs> <laughs> okay.